0: We see some things too with like the Hot Priest, which is actually mm-hmm. his name.
1: It's well, it's actually just the priest, is oh, officially what the character's the name priest. is. The flea bag fans have yeah. just dubbed him Hot Priest. Which, I mean, because um, that's fine. God. <laughs> 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 And we're back. And we return after what feels like a long time. It feels like a well, I mean, it kind of was a long time. Like it was it was longer than we intended it to be, yeah. which is fine. But we also had intended it to be kind of a long time. So it's just sure. like, you know, it's a long, long time. Yeah. But we're here. We're we're here. (laughs) We're here to talk about flea bag. We're here to talk about flea (sighs) bag. Just and celebrate Aaron's birthday. Oh yeah, I had one of them. Was which was now like almost three weeks ago. (laughs) Yeah, but how was it? What did you do on your birthday? I had a final. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I
0: had a final, but all of my cohort like brought me flowers and sweet things and they're lovely. And then uh, and then we got to all go see Barbie, all of our friend
1: groups. So that felt like a fun. How forward. many times have you seen Barbie now? I've only seen it. Just the twice that you saw it with me. <laughs> just the twice
0: that I've seen it with you.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> only twice. You know? guys, it's a good movie.
1: It's really good. There's yeah. therapy
0: stuff in there. There's stuff <laughs> that I use as a like a couples therapist.
1: There's like Greek mythology uh-huh. and like like uh like Catholic theology. Yeah. Like I guess like Christian in general kind of like creation theology. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's very interesting.
0: If there's a free slot in our next year calendar, we should probably invite Yeah, Miss I think we on.
1: already I think we already have oh. uh we already have it penciled in at some point Good. in uh in this upcoming season. I don't remember what I what month we have it in.
0: I'm but, remembering yeah. that conversation, but I'm not remembering which month.
1: Yeah, cool. Yeah. I think it might be January or February. Okay. Oh, you know what? I think it's February because we talked about doing The Last of Us in January. Ah. I don't have my – I don't have it in front of me, but I think I remember that's what we talked about. But, yeah. I mean – Anyway, that's a little preview. I mean,
0: Barbie is the natural uh, ending point of The Last of Us, so that's Uh, Absolutely.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's a perfect uh, point-counterpoint. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you know what? I bet like if we get it get into it like philosophically, we will find a lot of like thematic, yeah, like messaging parallels in the,
0: in those two things. I mean, yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> they both explore the nature of humanity, and. Yeah. Anyway, we're not talking about that yet. <laughs> Ooh, I love this though, and like exploring like
0: masculine and feminine energy and like yes. identity. Cool,
1: cool. Yeah, and we'll get there. We'll, well now, get there.
0: And now I'm just excited for all this. But before, I know. <laughs> before we get there, though, Rhonda, I think yes. I think your list of what are you watching is specifically tailored to the barbie weekend that we had it,
1: it was our our like well two barbie weekends.
0: <laughs> i just love that i've never seen twice. that movie without you present I uh-huh just,
1: yes. <laughs> i've watched a lot of like videos about it uh-huh. and stuff but yeah like just the twice and i don't know like i don't know about you but like the second time we saw it like I kind of, you know, because like, of course, the second time you watch something, you know, what's coming, like, you know, Mm -hmm. and so like, you can kind of look back and, and watch it through that lens, knowing what's coming, and you notice things. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, it's really cool. (laughs) And it still had the same, for me, it still had like the same emotional impact. Yeah. The second time. It's, which I was kind of surprised by.
0: There's kind of a fear sometimes to a
1: second watch, because especially if you loved
0: the thing, yeah. and then you go back and see it a second time, sometimes there, there's those moments of like, oh, I was just excited to be here. I don't like this. But that
1: wasn't the case for me. Everything just yeah. felt deeper. and yeah, It was still like all of the funny parts were still funny. Yeah. And I think possibly even more so on a second watch because you're not trying to like follow the story as much, so you can notice yeah the the funny bits more. And yeah, it still had the same emotional packed packed a punch emotionally.
0: And I think the second yeah. time, I really was able to see more of Margot Robbie's performance.
1: Well, mm-hmm. oh, she's she's really yeah. she's really killing it in there. Yeah, she's really, yeah. really barbieing. She's, re- she's she's a Barbie who barbies. Yeah, she's <laughs> um, yeah. But speaking of Margot Robbie, I um other things, other things that I watched in the past four weeks <laughs> <laughs> since we've been together. Um, I <laughs> I did a bit of a dive into Margot Robbie's filmography and into. Greta Gerwig's filmography, so I mostly watched things that I had seen before, but it had maybe like been a while. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I I rewatched *I Tanya*, which is such an amazing movie. It's so good. I gotta watch um, it. And um, *Birds of Prey*, of course, we love so good. Which both of those movies um, were also. Um she she was a producer, like her production company uh-huh. um made those movies. Um and then I also watched a couple episodes of a show called Pan Am that oh. was on in like twenty ten or twenty eleven. I
0: remember the like uh posters and stuff for it. Yeah.
1: yeah. Like Christina Ricci was in it. I think she was like the big okay. name. For it, but but it was like I think Margot Robbie has like second billing in the show, and that was like her first, like um, I think probably like the first American thing that she was in, probably because okay. she was in stuff in Australia before that. But but yeah, like she she's got a little baby face, Aww. and and so it's like the Pan Am um, airline in the nineteen sixties, and like most of like the main characters are flight attendants. Um, which, yeah. like, I think just that in itself would have been a really interesting show. Like, all of the, yeah. you know, all – because, like, um, flight attendants in the 60s were, like, ended up, like, kind of joining in with, like, a big part of, like, the labor movement and, like, labor unions um, in, like, in the later 60s and 70s. Sure. Like, that was, like, a big – so I feel I like that would be such an interesting show. But, like, they made it, <laughs> they had to, like, put spies into it. I'm like, <laughs> oh. what are you doing? And they also had to, like, spotlight a male character who is, like, the most uninteresting character you've ever seen. Uh. So, like, I ha- I have my theories why the show didn't last very long. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's a bummer when you can see the it was parts real that bummer. are interesting and
1: then... Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> yeah. that was that. And then for uh, Greta Gerwig filmography, I rewatched Little Women and Lady Bird, which are like, hmm. ugh, still, you know, so good. Um, and then I also, I, I had seen Frances Ha before, but it had been like years, Sure, like probably like since like right after it came out was when I watched it um so I re-watched that and that was really fun um she's like really fun as an actress like we don't you know we don't see her acting very much anymore but like she's really yeah like she's really natural and like charismatic yeah it was fun
0: I'm going to have to write down all stuff. of these. I haven't. They're all things that I had at some point meant to watch and then haven't. Well, except, like, yeah. like I've seen Little Women and Birds of Prey and Ladybird. But, yeah, yeah. All the bird ones. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: my gosh. All the bird ones. <laughs> the bird ones. Oh, um, no. And then I also <laughs> – I, I watched a couple things that were new to me as well that were of note. So I watched Promising Young Woman – um, uh-huh. Which is also produced by Margot Robbie's um, production company. Um, why can I never think of like that word? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and oh, this is fun too. So, a promising young woman was written and directed by Emerald Fennell, who um, played Midge in the Barbie movie. <laughs> oh, how funny! <laughs> Um and she's uh she was also she played um Camilla Parker Bowles in two seasons of The Crown. Oh wow. She's like the most chameleon wow. versatile person. <laughs> like yeah. Um so yes, Promising Young Woman is a very good movie. I don't know that I ever need to watch it again, but yes. I do think that every Well, I was going to say, like, every woman, but honestly, like, a lot of men need to see it, too. Sure. Because weirdly, in a similar way that Barbie does, (laughs) it kind of, like, exposes the, like, what, you know, like, the the whole idea of, like, a nice guy or, like, a good guy or, like, you know, men who project this idea of being supportive of women but when it comes right down to it Mm -hmm. they really don't (laughs) like -hmm. they yeah. yeah um yeah so i think that you know it's a very well written very well acted very well made movie i like actually enjoyed watching like parts of it um, Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of it that's like kind of hard to watch but like there are other you know moments in it that are actually like kind of fun to watch um yeah and yeah like like you were saying kind of off the mic like you have been meaning to watch it but you're like you gotta be in the right <laughs> mental state and yeah I just haven't been yeah and that's kind of how I felt about it for a while like I was kind of like because like I had seen a lot of stuff about it you know about like content warnings and like you know make sure you're in the right so I think that I kind of like built it up in my mind so I was like very prepared yeah and so then when I did watch it I was like oh this isn't as triggering as I was afraid it was going to be okay so I think yes but still be be prepared for it because there is you know like really realistic but troubling uh things that happen yeah um but yeah like I think overall like it was it like it was a positive experience so good I'm really glad yeah good good yeah one one that's been on my list for quite a while. Me so. too, yeah. Oh, and then the other thing I watched, The Summer I Turned Pretty, season two. Aww. And um, the season finale just came out today, but I have not watched it yet, so. <laughs> a good Friday drop. Love it. Yeah. So that is what I'll be watching when we're done recording here. Oh, good. Yeah. But anyway, I talked a lot. What are I loved it. What are, it. You, <laughs> no, what are I, you watching, Aaron? As I've
0: said before, Rhonda is the best with movie recs. Mm. I've been watching exactly two things uh-huh. and they could not be farther from one another. I think this is also evidence of of how beautiful and organized Rhonda's brain is versus my No it's brain, not. Which is it's like It's not horrible. at all.
1: I have to put my brain is not organized. I have to like spit things <laughs> onto paper. I just like I just throw everything at a Google Doc. I love it. And then once I see it, then I can start organizing it. But inside my brain, it is not organized at all. (laughs) It's a thing of beauty. Uh,
0: (laughs) I have been watching the children's cartoon
1: Adventure Time. That's a
0: children's cartoon? uh Uh-huh. I thought it was an adult
1: cartoon. It's made for children and then Why do so many adults watch it then? I'll tell you why. So (sighs) – Is it like a brony situation? No. Okay. It's – it's like I mean, bronies are for the most part pretty wholesome, but
0: you know. yeah, it's not quite know. there. It's more like <laughs> like broaching topics for like the twelve to fifteen year old set. Uh,
1: okay, of like so it's like a tween cartoon, not yeah. really like mm-hmm. not like a bluey, no, which is it's not, literally for four year olds. Not
0: quite a bluey. <laughs> Shout out to bluey.
1: Shout um, out to bluey. Giving four-year-olds Australian accents who oh, it's don't so actually good. I had, So have Australian accents.
0: It was playing in a preschool classroom I was helping in, and I did not know that I had heard of Bluey. I had heard the tale of Bluey, but I didn't know it was Australian. Attend the tale of Bluey. the tale of Bluey. I didn't know it was Australian, and so it turned on, and then these Australian sheepdogs are speaking it, with Australian accents. And I was like... Uh-huh. Oh, I, which makes sense. I love this so <laughs> much, and I think I even said like, "Oh, because they're Australian sheepdogs," and I got like <laughs> really excited about it. Um, yeah. I anyway, it is very common, but um, adventure time, and it's
1: actually funny too.
0: It is, yeah. Um, it's funny and sweet, and kind of the perfect like nap time accessory for a preschool classroom. Um, <laughs> Adventure Time kind of like is also really funny and wholesome and sweet and also just sometimes just very funny. But it also tackles these larger themes of like accountability for your actions, Hmm. your first couple relationships where like you didn't do the right thing and neither did they and now you're just kind of sitting through this and just a bunch of or like you didn't
1: watch the spike lee film do the right thing and so you're just naturally everyone should
0: yeah it's just (laughs)
1: negative wait have you seen do the right thing no (sighs) aaron should i go right now yeah just turn off my mic. You're, double feature, Do the Right Thing and Promising Young Woman. Oh, no. <laughs> what a Friday. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Oh, sorry, I interrupted you. No, I, love, I was trying
0: to think of what. Oh, so yes, I've been watching Adventure Time. And then also Succession.
1: So I will uh-huh. be yeah. like. That makes sense to me. Alternating
0: between <laughs> Adventure Time. And like in Succession, they just got to the. I'm assuming the first of many um, kind of court cases. Mm. And so like we got introduced to his little like when he becomes a meme for going yes or like (laughs) just different things (laughs) like when uh, it just made me laugh so hard or like Mm. when Kendall kind of steps up. But yeah, it's just I'm super into succession. So
1: i'm so happy because i kept trying to get you to watch it for so long i love because i knew you would love it (laughs) and i
0: love watching mr darcy mr just be an idiot Uh uh-huh or when when cousin greg only speaks and like well i would positively affirm that my
1: answer is is Uh it's all like corporate uh, i consent. (laughs) Oh oh Like like when Daryl applies to be manager on the office and he puts like all the corporate speak on his resume. Yes. And Joe's reading it and she's like, units of paper material? (laughs) (laughs) What is that? He's like, pieces of paper. Pieces of paper.
0: (laughs) Which then in my mind also connects me with um, when (laughs) Daryl writes the list of of community words to teach to Michael. Uh Oh yeah, I taught Michael Scott. Bibbity boppity, <laughs> <laughs> fluffy fingers, Dinkin Flicka, just Dinkin Flicka. <laughs> and he takes it so seriously. Anyway,
1: uh-huh. um, but then Daryl like keeps keeps up the ruse and like uses the words <laughs> with him. <laughs> oh no! We like The Office. We do. If you couldn't tell. Yeah. So yeah, just bouncing back between Adventure Time and Succession. Interesting. You could say it's an adventure a I, succession adventure. Yes. Mm-hmm. We got
0: there. We
1: did. We did it. We did it, we, folks. Did we do? Did we do basketball? Did we? Uh, did it? I, I did
0: basketball. I did also watch the first thirty minutes of Birds of Prey.
1: Oh, nice! I fell but asleep. But you've seen that before. You've seen that before, right? Yeah, I love it. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's so good. <laughs> it's,
0: it, uh, Danny Castellano with blonde hair—it's just a whole thing. Oh yeah, um,
1: <sighs> yeah. So it's, oh, it's yeah, it's I'm Danny Castellano,
0: <laughs> and then uh, Mrs. Castellano is in Barbie, so we had a Castellano weekend. Six Degrees of
1: Castellano. Castellano? Uh, his mom. Oh, Rhea Perlman. Yeah. yeah, and also Greta Gerwig played his fiance wow. in like the last season.
0: We had a Castellano weekend.
1: <laughs> I wonder if that's how she met Rhea Perlman. Interesting. Did they ever have an episode together? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Love it.
0: <laughs> I love. I love it.
1: And, you know, I know I know that Greta Gerwig knows Mindy Kaling, so I'm kind of wondering, why wasn't Mindy Kaling a Barbie? Aw, she would have been an They'd amazing been Barbie. Great, yeah. It was good, though. Yeah. It was, even without Mindy Kaling,
0: it was good. I mean, when you can say that about a film.
1: <laughs> even without would have been Mindy made better Kaling. by having Mindy Kaling. Oh, always. But, you know, it's fine. <laughs>
0: DJ Novak yeah. could have been hipster Ken. Love it. Yeah. Oh, yes. My
1: gosh, <laughs> that would have been so good. He's so pretentious. Such a Ken. Ken. He's so
0: freaking pretentious, that man. Oh my goodness. The Kennergy. Yeah, I
1: just. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> Aaron, have you already bought um, the tie dye hoodie that says "I am Kenuff"? I looked at it. I really have.
0: <laughs> I love it. We're on Duolingo when it was Sophia Ken. Uh,
1: that was funny. Good
0: stuff.
1: My Duolingo hasn't hasn't given me that yet, but I'm taking Vietnamese, so I don't know how that would translate.
0: Get on it, Duo. Yeah,
1: come on. Anyways, so here we I are. Hate that I just said anyways. So why? So, um, Erin, uh-huh. are you? Are you ready to talk about the greatest television show ever created? The, we're
0: obsessed with this.
1: It's, I mean, understandably.
0: Ever since Phoebe Waller Bridge <laughs> did her one woman show
1: of Midsummer, ever since Phoebe Waller Bridge was born, <laughs> we love her. before either of us were born. <laughs> yeah, but she's like. I think she, I don't know, I think she's maybe born in, like, 85, okay. 84, 85. Okay. So, like, you know, she's still a millennial, like. Sure. So Fleabag is a very millennial show, right? Yeah. Like, it's the, the Fleabag angst. The Fleabag, like,
0: <laughs> oh, just so, oh, I don't even, I don't even, I don't even, I don't know. What was your well? I am curious. What what was your okay. first experience with
1: Fleabag? Oh, that's a great question. I I think I must have. I well, I watched the seasons back to back, so it must have been you know like twenty nineteen, yeah, or so, because that's when the second season came out. Um, but I don't remember like hearing that much about it before I mm-hmm. watched it. I. I don't know like I think I'd maybe seen like one like article or something and I was like hmm okay that sounds interesting yeah um and then uh, yeah and then I don't know I just like well I have a free afternoon I guess I'll watch this show yeah (laughs) and I watched both seasons like straight through like yeah no breaks binge the whole thing um so good yeah, like it was really good, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I that's the best thing I've ever seen." Um, <laughs> what part of it? You, and um... then, and then, like, okay, so I'll I'll answer your question in a second. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. No. Um, but then I remember, like, very soon after, like you know, like less than a week after I had finished watching both seasons, I saw uh, Kumail Nanjiani <gasps> tweeted something like. Um, Like, we can all go home now. Fleabag is the most perfect television show. Like, no one's ever going to beat it or something like that. And I was like, I knew I liked you, Camille. I knew I (laughs) liked you. Yeah. Sorry. What was your question?
0: Oh, I'm just... And maybe, like, sometimes we don't even remember these things. But, like, what was... Especially after we've seen it 10 million times now. But I'm wondering, what was the first part of it that resonated with you? Or what was the first part that felt particularly like a new or different take on something or
1: yeah honestly for me it was like the way that it uses the fourth wall like uh-huh I feel like that's such a that can easily be such a gimmicky yeah device and I I didn't know that it did that before watching it and I'm kind of glad that I didn't know that because yeah. I might have been like mm, like really? Like you're you're doing that. Um Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but like I like it uses it in such an innovative way. Yeah. And there's actually a purpose for it. Yeah. Like the fourth wall breaks and like like Fleabag's relationship with the audience or with the camera is actually like vital to the story that's being yeah. told. So I think it's so like yeah like it's so innovative it's so genius that like it's you know it's been I think it's been kind of like people have tried to sort of emulate that sure but haven't gotten to quite you know that level yeah. of like goodness um <laughs> That, yeah. <laughs> well, and of course, like, there have been things before Fleabag that used mm-hmm. fourth wall breaks as kind of a narrative device, but, like, I don't think that anything, I mean, I kind of, I added to our notes, like, a few things that I thought of that kind of use the device um, for different narrative purposes, uh, yeah. but I don't, I can't think of anything that has so seamlessly integrated. Yeah the fourth wall into like the, the fabric of its narrative. And, um, I sound really pretentious. I'm sorry.
0: No, I love it. And I, I thought about this a lot too. And I think part of it is that it, it started as a one woman show. And so a lot of things that mm-hmm. worked really well on stage translate there really organically. Whereas if you're writing like this is going to be an aside to the audience in a film and I'm going to break the fourth wall. Right it feels different than if it was material that worked really well on, right. in like a theater space. Yeah.
1: Well, and like, I mean, in theater, that sort of breaking the fourth wall, that soliloquy to the audience is something that's been part of theater for, you know, since Shakespeare and before. Yeah. So like, it, it does feel like it's much more natural to have that in theater. But yeah, like, I think that, you know, when she translated it to television, I was actually just recently watching um, a video about this that, that showed like part of an interview where she's talking about in the one woman show, um, the, the narrator or, you know, the fleabag you know has such a like a symbiotic relationship with the audience so she was talking about how difficult um it initially seemed to adapt that for a tv show i bet Uh, just like oh yeah
0: i think i think that was one of the pieces that originally felt really like it almost felt like finding home because like i'd spent so long in theater and i also like When I was watching it for the first time, which I can't remember when, I think it was when the second season came out, and I had just never seen it, and it looked really good to me. I think her exploration of like anxiety, depression, all those things, Mm, felt like it was speaking the same language that my brain does, and whenever I see that, I just have to stop and watch the whole thing. Mm Mm-hmm. There have been a few TV shows to date that do... Like Chris Traeger, when he experiences his depression.
1: (laughs) I have to just, like,
0: stop and watch the whole thing because,
1: you know... And it's done... In Parks and Rec, that's done in such a, like, sensitive and, like, empathetic way. But without losing any of, like, the lightness of the show. Which is, like, I'm sure such a hard thing to balance.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I also... I love, love her sense of humor so yes. much. Like, obviously, I just, like, oh, man. The humor
1: I... that she uses as, a mm-hmm. like, a coping mechanism and, like, a defense against actually processing her real emotions. Yeah. Yes. Very relatable. Very <laughs>
0: freaking relatable. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, we kind of, like we kind of tracked through a few together like possible mm-hmm. origins or not origins, but possible like identities of that ca- uh, camera piece. And I think, mm-hmm. and in this, I almost think that there's no like right answer. Right. Yeah. I think it just depends on like the lens almost <laughs> lens. <laughs> Sorry. Eh. didn't mean to did not mean to do that um (laughs) do you have a favorite possible identity that we can start with
1: well i mean there's the one that i took a million notes on Uh um, but i'm (laughs) i'm really interested though in your like thoughts on camera as shadow self like a version of fleabag herself yeah that's something i hadn't heard before so that intrigues me
0: well you know i'm a i'm a psych nerd a little bit so (laughs) yeah um yeah your shadow self is really like those naturally occurring parts of ourselves and we all have them it's all like everyone has in some in some lines of like therapeutic thought we all Mm. have a shadow self and it's it kind of houses your natural reactions to things that are maybe negative or to you, like that you would mm-hmm. judge yourself for kind of thing. Right. Um, and so we see a lot of that um, in those moments, well, I mean, it's it's a natural part of ourselves. So it's um, in the in flea bag, it starts with a really strong camaraderie. And then kind of starts to build in those moments of discord um, as you watch it a little bit. Like sometimes Fleabag will be caught doing something that maybe they're not proud of and then not able to look away from the camera or Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, like little pieces like that until it builds to the moment at the gala where Mm -hmm. she's been triggered by something and then she's in um, the back room and unable to step away from the camera and it's dizzying and it's, it's when her sister talks about Boo. It's when we start to find out a little more um, from someone else's perspective about what happened um, between Fleabag and Boo. Um, mm-hmm. that's something I want to talk about too, is how we find that information out. Cause that's so purposeful as well. But, right. um, yeah, the flea by shadow self is the parts of you that are just difficult to
1: sit with. So that brings up a question that, that I have kind of like just formed. So yeah. do you think that Flea or I guess how much control do you think Fleabag has over what the camera sees? And
0: that's where I think <laughs> I think there's so many interpretations, but I think one interpretation is that she gains control over the course of mm, the show. Okay. Cuz by the end she's able to say goodbye to it because she's right. reconciled herself with what it was that happened and her love of boo which i also think there's a world where she was in love with her but we'll get to that mm, too yeah definitely
1: um, she's but, definitely a chaotic bisexual
0: <laughs> and like oh uh, we never really i don't know all of their scenes together could be a little romantic or a lot yeah. romantic depending on yeah, um, yeah but I think there's a world of analysis where the whole show is Fleabag working through this particular mo- uh, experience of trauma. And so she's sitting with her sh- this part of her shadow self, and then she's eventually able to say goodbye at the end, which I'm, like, tearing up even talking about it. Mm, that, like... Yeah that last episode is so beautiful. The little head nod at the end when she walks away kills me. And a little
1: smile. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. (laughs) Ugh. And then she, like, sees the fox and she's like, he went that way. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Because, like, thinking about, like, how much she is actually able to control what the camera is seeing. Because, like, if you think about I know, like this is something you you have like a little further down about like things to discuss about like what the what the camera is allowed to see, sure, versus like what she wants the camera to see, sure. So like she at, like at the beginning, like it's it feels like it is very deliberate what she is allowing the camera to see because there's a lot that we. You know, that we find out from other characters or that we find out just from watching and not from what she tells us. So, like, she's like an unreliable narrator, right? Yeah. Um, Where, but like, in the moments where like the camera is watching, like, you know, an intimate moment or like a kind of an embarrassing moment, right? And like, she is aware that the camera is there but she's it also feels like you know this is maybe a moment that has like caught her off guard but she's going to play it off as like a performance because she knows the camera is there right and it feels like that that happens a lot throughout the first season and then in the second season that does start to shift where she like like she's definitely still like only putting forward like a certain aspect of herself that she wants people to see but it feels a little more genuine by like toward the end of the second season yeah like it feels like she's just kind of allowing allowing that in rather than like putting on a performance yeah
0: absolutely and i I don't know no absolutely and i think like like we see some things too with like the
1: hot priest, which is actually mm-hmm. his name. It's well, it's actually just the priest is oh, officially what the character's the name priest. is. The flea bag fans have yeah. just dubbed him hot priest. Which, I mean, because you know, that's fine.
0: <laughs> and I think there's a few lenses to see like when he can see her talking to yes to the camera. I think. There's the religious aspect. Um, mm-hmm. You can read it through that lens. Absolutely. I think there's also... So,
1: what if the camera is God? Yeah. <laughs>
0: I mean, I think there's So, like, a re- at the
1: end, she decides that she doesn't need, like, <gasps> religion? Or,
0: hmm... I think that's
1: fascinating.
0: This yeah. is one of those pieces that would be so much fun to do um, <laughs> critical... Oh, what's... Uh. Um, literary criticism with where you could just do it from like so many I think that's one reading for sure for why he can see when she's talking to her shadow self or to the camera Um, I think there's also he is even though they don't wind up together he is falling in love with her and so he's seeing all of her um, and she's being loved for her whole self instead of what she puts on although the argument for that for me would be why can't her sister see it? because I do think her sister loves her unconditionally as well.
1: but right. but I you know what I think I think it could be possible that like her sister's fully aware of the camera but chooses to ignore it. I love that, Rhonda. That just gave me chills. Yeah. Like, she's, she's noted, like, if, especially this is, like, something that, you know, that Fleabag has been doing her whole life. Mm-hmm. Like, growing up together, Claire noticed when Fleabag was talking to her camera Oof, friend. Oh, I love just, that. Like, chooses to ignore it. <laughs> Claire doesn't She get... thinks it's just, like, an imaginary friend or something.
0: I don't think she gets enough accolades for this, she is so in uh, this. she's so good she's so good she's trying so she's trying to love herself too and she can't yet. yeah and it's just I don't want to jump us on too quickly here
1: yeah um, well I wanted to go back to like I mean because like the the fact that the priest sees when she does her asides to the camera like that's something that has been discussed sure. a lot <laughs> already yeah. um for me that kind of, I mean like it like exactly in line with what you were saying about how you know it's because like he's falling in love with her and he's seeing her for who she truly is um, like, for me, that like dovetails perfectly with a reading of the camera as like the gaze, like mm. female gaze, male gaze, uh, because like, you know, and this also goes back to like her awareness of being looked at. I got so, so excited she- when I saw this. Note. This is brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Right. So like she's aware of of the male gaze directed toward her constantly, you know, as, as most women, we all develop an awareness of that, you know, we're being, we're being gazed at in certain ways. Um, and she, but she has like learned to manipulate the gaze for her purposes. Sure. Um, but that's not always in a healthy way. Like she's, you know, she's done it in pretty self-destructive ways. Like she perf, you know, like we've been talking about, like she performs for the camera what she thinks the male gaze wants to see. So, like, that's why she's very, like, bold about showing, like, sexual moments to the camera because she's performing for the male gaze. Brilliant. And then she only hides, like, in moments of, like, true, like, vulnerability. Um, So then, like, through this reading... In the final scene when she rejects, when she, like, tells the camera not to follow her, she's accepting her true identity and, like, not seeing herself through that through that lens anymore. I love um, that. Yeah, so there's, like – there's actually, like, some really good, like, even, like, kind of academic um, – or like academic adjacent, um, <laughs> a scholarship about Fleabag through the lens of the female gaze. Cool. Uh, this was a um, where was this article from? Uh, I don't remember, but I'll uh, we'll link. I'll, I'll put a link in show notes. Um, but this was a <laughs> this was a quote from it. Um, what then is the female gaze for Fleabag? It is secretive, private, introspective, funny, irreverent, esoteric. Every individual watcher feels, figuratively and literally, as she turns toward us, seen by mm. Waller-Bridge. The female gaze becomes reciprocal, mirrored. Instead of maintaining the traditional hierarchy of watched versus watcher, the female gaze in fleabag is necessarily a collaboration. It is doubled. It brings the viewer past the barrier of the screen, troubling their position as viewer. So like, there's also moments where we feel very uncomfortable as yeah. the viewer. Yeah. Like, why are we, um, you know, if if we're like she's, you know, if we if we see her as performing for the male gaze, but we're actually the female gaze, like that makes sense that that would make us very uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, to see those kind of moments, um, and then there is this really great quote from Phoebe Waller Bridge, um, where she's talking about like. You know, like her inspiration in writing the character, Um, she says, um, it was really about a woman who felt she was really valued primarily by her sexual desirability. I wanted to write about that in a way that was accessible and funny so people didn't realize that's Mm -hmm. what it was about until it sneaks up on you. So that actually, you know, absolutely tracks with, like, yeah. the the moments that, especially early on in that first season, the moments that Fleabag is, like, kind of showcasing for the camera. Yeah.
0: And, like, attempts to find power within that. Yeah, I love mm-hmm. that. Oh, my gosh.
1: Yeah. It is kind of, like... Yeah, like she's trying to find power within the gaze, not realizing that true power is completely rejecting the gaze, which is what she does at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I just want
0: to watch it now.
1: (laughs) Yes. And so then the priest being uh, the only one who kind of sees her interacting with the gaze, if that's how we're reading the camera. Mm. um, So... So, like the the whole concept of the female gaze is that it's it, it's how the camera and also how the viewer emotionally sees the female character in you know in the film or in the in the work. Um, and so, for the priest who is seeing Fleabag for who she truly is, him noticing her noticing of the case <laughs> yeah is is like an aspect of uh, like the female gaze through him at, sure like toward her if that makes sense yeah Ooh, yeah i love that it's a thing it's totally a thing
0: <laughs> he has a uh he played hamlet in hamlet
1: and i'm so excited to watch it yeah um, yeah i mean honestly who hasn't played hamlet it's it's, it's a fair point it's fine <laughs> it's fine he also you know what i what performance of his i really really enjoyed he was in um katherine called birdie he played oh. the dad it was so delightful i'll have yeah. to especially watch it yes that came out like
0: a year ago, so I know. And I've been trying to watch yeah. it this whole time. I just haven't. <laughs> it's not working for me. <laughs> I just haven't had the wherewithal to get there. Um, <laughs> oh man! Yeah. Well, yes. Okay. <laughs> I was just, I was just so inspired by those words that came out of your mouth. Mm. Um, enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> Yeah, we kinda touched on these, but yeah, in um there are moments when she's very clearly in camaraderie with the camera or trying to mm-hmm. be through that reading or yeah. um when talking about sex, um, when someone has done something that she thinks is ridiculous, so she's gonna one up them and she's gonna be gonna kind of place herself as better than them. Um again, mm-hmm. for power or for status or for safety in those moments i really feel like it's almost like she's trying to be safe against how much she hates herself right oh she's beautiful in this but uh (laughs) and like i think that matches with the things we kind of talked about the things um that she doesn't tell us yeah that she tells other characters or other characters reveal and the most interesting one to me of these was that she tells a taxi driver about Boo's death. Mm-hmm. She can't tell anyone. She's not talking about it with anyone else. Her sister asks her, how are you? And she brushes her off. But she tells the camera, the taxi driver, we find out, we find out really covertly that she goes to a cemetery every day to visit her mum. Her mom. <laughs> yeah, I had to say mum, <laughs> And this is really good writing because she and Claire are in the cemetery and Fleabag knows that there is someone who comes to the cemetery every day. Mm. And so then we all put two and two together that this person who's very sarcastic and is positioning herself as like outside of morality, or she is telling the world that she's a bad person or doesn't care, whatever. But then she's visiting every single day and she's very sentimental and she's not at all the person that she's labeling herself as in her grief or other people are labeling her as. Um, and then, yeah. Uh, I was just really, I was watching that first episode and when she starts talking about Boo in the um, mm-hmm. taxi, I just... yeah. I think I rewatched that scene a couple times. (laughs) Uh, Oh, we also like we also have this really interesting thing about the names in this. Um, Yes. So some people are given real names. So her sister Claire, um, Claire's awful husband Martin. Oh, I hate him so much, Martin. Um. Henry the guinea bi- guinea pig gets his own name. Um, Boo, of course. Harry, her first relationship. Who sh- she's either outgrown it or I mean, she's certainly outgrown it, but she's also kind of sabotaged it a little bit mm-hmm. um, <laughs> for. And I mean, it's natural to outgrow things, but I do think that there's an element of sabotage.
1: Um, yeah there. Um, it's her favorite Beastie Boys song. Yes.
0: And then um, the older woman who Flea By connects with at Claire's party. Uh, Belinda mm-hmm. also has a name.
1: Yes. And then
0: everyone else. Oh, and then I have a note here. Belinda is the only person she hits on at, uh, we never see her hit on Harry, right? So the yeah. only person <laughs> that she does not nickname and she hits on is belinda
1: so yes and yes i did ship them
0: (laughs) yeah it happens mid-second season so she's starting to have that shift um somewhere yeah and then characters with nicknames
1: herself most noticeably uh fleabag bus rodent (laughs) but you know i don't does anyone no one ever says the word fleabag
0: no, that's a good that's just point. the title, yeah,
1: of the show. Yeah, so she's just like you. Like people, people will say like, "Hey, you." Yeah. Like, yeah.
0: Hmm. That makes me worried for her. Um, yeah. <laughs> Bus <laughs> Rodent,
1: who was in who uh-huh. was in Barbie? In Barbie, <laughs> I freaked out. I was sitting one next to one of the you. Mattel. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's Bus Rodent. <laughs> yes yes it is good job uh the priest i knew he was gonna be in it because he was on one of the posters but
0: i got really excited <laughs> i think i think i want him to get more work i think he's so funny yeah. <laughs> oh like just props to you for letting yourself be just such Buzz wrote it. <laughs> such the butt of the joke like oh my goodness um We have the bank manager, hot misogynist, and the list goes on. Like, it's just... And these are mostly people she has um,
1: sexual relations with, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Which that kind of, like... I feel like that kind of tracks with, like... like, like, th- if you think about, like, like you and I, like, when we, you know, like, we're in our mid-20s and we were, like, <laughs> on all the dating apps and how, like, we would talk, like, we would tell each other about, like, the guys that we had gone on dates with. Yeah. And we'd give them, like, we wouldn't call them by their names. We'd give them nicknames, like, Glasses Guy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> or, like, you know, uh, I don't know, the guy who had the cute dog. Like, that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, that's what we would do. And I then, feel like the tracks.
0: <laughs> no, totally. And I think that's kind of some people do that, like with naming conventions in their phones. And then when they decide to, it's like it's like keeping yourself from feeling any specific yeah, way. About you don't want to
1: get too attached until yeah. you know that you know that you know that's actually going to be an important relationship. Or in Fleabag's case, she just doesn't want to get attached at all. She's that's just
0: like- <laughs> literally not yeah. going to do that right now (laughs) so um (laughs) yeah and that's a really good point but that's something that most of us do um yeah and like I don't know I think that does naturally segue into part of why I feel like and again there's so many readings for this but I do think that one reading is that she was actually in love with Boo and
1: mm-hmm. um acted the way and that she did and that's why she um slept with boo's boyfriend right like because that's... she
0: couldn't deal with the fact that she yeah. loved her um because there are you know and i was i was re-watching their scenes together and I think it's really like they could so easily be intimate moments with a partner.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. Ugh, I, I'm also just so charmed by the actress who plays Boo. I think she's so just wonderfully cast, and in those like we only see her a few times, but her performance is just really gripping and gives me chills thinking about it. Um, or when she's. <laughs> One of my favorite moments is when she's hanging the hamster poster, and she goes, this <laughs> is an excellent one. I just, I love her so much. Um, which then just, like, I think breaks your heart wide open when you do find yeah. out what Fleabag has done and how she has to really reconcile with with that um, mm-hmm. in order to move forward. And then what happened because, like, it's just, we got ourselves a heartbreaker over here. My goodness, mm. this show. Kind of, <laughs> wow. Talk about one to watch when you're ready for it because it's,
1: yeah, it'll break your gosh darn heart. Um, yeah. You come in like, and it's also, I mean, it's also like extremely funny. Yes. And like, I think, I think I went into it just knowing that it was a comedy and expecting yeah. it to be funny and like finding this like emotional depth was like oh kind of oh, like barbie <laughs> totally i yeah yeah. I, yeah I was not prepared for that but okay <laughs>
0: right I'm, i know um i really like your question here about unlikable heroines mm, and yes I, that's something i gravitate towards and things that i watch and read and consume um
1: yeah. Yes. And I didn't have, like, I didn't have, like, specific thoughts yeah. to relay about unlikable heroines, <laughs> but I just think that's an interesting, like, I, so, like, a, a little bit further down, I was, like, just taking a few notes about, like, other works that have, like, quote-unquote messy heroines. Yeah, yeah. Um and I think that like I I kind of see like I mean like we've seen things before Fleabag that had those kind of like I put like Bridget Jones on this sure um you know on this kind of list of discussion like like, we did see that kind of heroine before. And I definitely do see, like, a kinship between Bridget Jones and Fleabag, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I can see that. Um, but, like, I I think that since Fleabag, I think that that's kind of opened the door for, like, heroines who are not only, like, unlikable... But who are – because, like, I would say that Bridget Jones is very likable. Like, she's messy. Sure. But you still, like, find her very likable, very lovable. Um, and I think that, like, Fleabag has kind of opened the door that, like, she doesn't have to be quirky and, like, yeah. quirky in a cute way no. to be, like, a really good, unlikable heroine. Um so I think that like we you know have seen I think like Promising Young Woman is actually a really good example because yeah. the heroine of that movie is is like she's kind of a disaster and like Okay. <laughs> there's not a lot about her like what you know like without spoiling anything about the movie like she she's kind of on a mission that that you empathize with. But other than that, she does not have a lot of redeeming qualities. Like she's, she's, you know, she's rude to people. She shuts people out. She like is so like single-mindedly focused on her mission that she like neglects her personal relationships. Like there's not very much to like about her. And I, I kind of think that like, seeing a heroine like that on screen might not have been possible without Fleabag kind of opening that door. Sure. And it was, you know, like Fleabag is still like fairly recent. So I feel like we're going to see a lot more I hope that so. are kind of allowed to live in that space of like, yeah, you like you're just, you know, like you're... Like this is just a terrible person right now, and like maybe she'll grow, but like you yeah. know, sometimes, sometimes as humans, we're just kind of not good. <laughs>
0: yeah, we're like I th- I'm thinking of the the listing you have next here, uh, Broad City. Yeah, where you're growing through, like Alana and Abby are growing through their their twenties.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I think there's similar, I can, I feel like Alana and Fleavag are pretty similar in how they're trying to mitigate with difficult things. Um, Mm -hmm. But but done, like, obviously just through very different, like, performance styles. Like, I think of when Alana is experiencing depression, and so (laughs) she puts all of the sad lamps in the the closet at work, (laughs) and she, like... (laughs) (laughs) just keeps running back there because it's the first time she's experienced like depression as badly as that or like when she deals with uh, having to let her first significant partner go that Mm -hmm. kind of thing and like reconcile with the truth that she is not ready to to settle down and Mm -hmm. like the strength in that of saying I love you so much but this isn't for me right now and I just um I really liked that note you had in here. Um, and like, I don't think Alana
1: gives a shit if you like her <laughs> or she would <laughs> yeah. or she would tell you that she doesn't. She yeah, so Alana like genuinely doesn't give a shit. I think <laughs> Fleabag does give a shit, but she doesn't want you to think she does. Yeah. She doesn't I, want you to know how much she actually cares.
0: I love
1: that. Yeah. For sure.
0: And how much <laughs> her own heart is broken, you
1: know? Mm-hmm. Like,
0: I think that almost for her saying her heart is broken, like, she doesn't even get to say that because she's so culpable. So, like, yeah. I don't even love myself enough to say I'm hurting. I don't get to say right.
1: that. Yeah. It's almost like a self-flagellation. Yeah. Like She's like, yes, I'm in this deep pain, but I deserve it because I did this terrible thing. And like, I can't. I, I don't know how to push forward. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, the third uh work that I put under this like messy heroines uh category is Insecure. Yeah. Which I don't know if you've watched that at all. I, I think have like been we've s- talked about it.
0: I've been this is one of those ones that I get made fun of all the time. I've been saving that for a rainy day because I know I'm going <laughs> to love it. And I haven't like yeah. started
1: it yet. Like, it's actually, it uh, it's, it's actually like, so like, I've kind of like, ever since I've seen both of the, both shows, Fleabag and Insecure, I've kind of like linked them in my mind because I feel like there's, there's really like a kinship there. Mm. Like, there's like a spiritual kind of like uh like cohesiveness there yeah. um but like as i like looked like deeper into it like there's like legitimately there's like some real parallels between cool. between the two like they both um they both started in 2016 oh. um uh, they're both also based on Um, material from you know a few years earlier so of course um, Fleabag is based on the one woman show and Insecure is based on um, a web series that Issa Rae created in like I think like Um, 2012-ish Misadventures of an Awkward Black Girl Um, and so like yeah so they both have that as you know as like kind of more refined versions of earlier works I right um and they both explore the experiences of young women who are insecure um yeah <laughs> um, they're they're both insecure in their identities and in their like their you know like their their place in the world um they both um, like struggle to relate to the world in healthy ways. Yeah. Um, they both struggle to like express their emotions in healthy ways. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: I think we uh, I did have a note in here. We talked a little bit about this in our new girl discussion because they're both definitely, because like in in a similar way that like Jessica Day, like struggles with social interaction. I feel yeah. like Issa Rae eat or. Isas Issa Ray's character, which is also who is also named Issa in Insecure. President Barbie. Um, I was gonna
0: she, say President Barbie. <laughs> yes. Yeah,
1: just we're just talking about everybody in the Barbie cast right now. <laughs> <laughs> um but her character's name is also Issa. Um and so Issa, the character, um, like is similarly kind of socially awkward and um and is, you know, very like reticent. Um and, like, she, you know, she's kind of, like, stalled in her career because she won't, like, kind of put herself out there. Oh, um, okay, yeah. And then we also have, like, so, you know, obviously, like, we have Fleabag talking to the camera. And that's the only time that she's, you know, really, like, showing showing her hand is when she's talking to the camera. Yeah. Um, and Issa talks to herself in the mirror. Like, we... <gasps> There's like there's like scenes in every episode where she's like talking herself up in her mirror, um, and that's the only time that she's truly honest. Um, oh, I gotta watch when, this. Yes, it's so good. Um, and then she also has these like vivid fantasies about how she wants certain situations oh, to play out. Yeah. Um. But then, like, you also like it, it for several of them, you see like. Uh, like starkly contrasted with how it actually happened <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> which is like so relatable right like yeah. you when you're like in the shower and you're thinking about like oh this is what I should have done yeah. in this situation and then I could have walked out and everybody would have clapped and like, like <laughs> yeah I, I would be a hero and <laughs> yeah um okay and then uh one more okay so <laughs> I love this Um, so Issa and Fleabag are also both, like, performing versions of themselves that they want the world or their audience to see. So, like, Fleabag is, you know, performing, um, it's, like, outward facing because she's aware of, like, viewers outside of herself, while Issa is, like, she's, she's only ever honest when she's, like, talking to herself in the mirror, but she's also kind of, like, like she's kind of performing to herself in a way in thinking about like, you know, like the like the way that she wants situations to happen. Okay.
0: Yeah. Like,
1: yeah. Um, yeah. There's a really good um, video essay that I was actually watching um, earlier today that like I think it's called. Um, oh, what is it called? uh like two millennials or something <laughs> nice I don't know I'll, I'll link it in show notes um but it it like you know kind of outlines like the parallels between Fleabag and Insecure and how and like the different ways that each of them are exploring like similar questions really cool yeah it's so good I think for anybody who loves Fleabag and you haven't seen Insecure yet? Like, you need to watch Insecure because you're gonna love it. Like, yeah, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, trying to decide um, which I'm gonna watch, like, right after this. Another, um, another, like, I, I think, important point, uh, to highlight, um. That, you know, is was also mentioned in that video and that also, you know, has come up in discussions is that, like, you know, Fleabag has gotten, like, tons of, like, critical acclaim and, like, it's super, um, super well-known. Whereas Insecure, like, I feel like it, you know, it's gotten, like, critical praise, but it's not nearly as, like, widely discussed in yeah. the zeitgeist. Yeah. And, like, I mean... And this might not be the only reason, but it's pretty clearly, um, like, a big part of that is because, like, it, you know, stars a Black woman and was created by um, – uh, well, it's created by Issa Rae and um, – what is his name? Larry Wilmore, um, who is a Black man. Who, yeah. He actually played Mr. Brown on The Office on the Diversity Day. Oh, Yeah. Um, And so, you know, and it has, like, a mostly Black cast. So, I mean, obviously, like, there could be other things going on, but it's also very clear that, you know, um, things that are created by Black creators and other creators of color just do not get the attention that they deserve very often. So Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, I'm not saying that you're racist if you don't watch Insecure, but... (laughs) but really think about the media you consume and yeah, yeah yeah think about why and like this is like not to call you out Aaron, but like yeah. think about why you 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 know are so like ready to watch something like fleabag but not something like insecure yeah anyway Needed to be said. <laughs>
0: Absolutely, A thousand percent. I think um, that's one of those like we need to be talking about exactly what you just brought on the table, and I think um, it's so it's so true and so ingrained. So
1: thank you for thanks for laying the groundwork there. <laughs> I didn't lay the groundwork. I'm just. <laughs> Anyway, we can, uh, what, what else did you, did you really want to like, I, kinda, I mean, this is your birthday bonus, so it can be as long as you want, but like, what else do you, do you really think, feel like we need to I kind of feel on?
0: like, I'm kind of feeling like we hit it. Um, okay. <laughs> are there, th- it feels like things have just met like. We've covered all of the parts that I wanted to. Okay. Oh, you know what, though? I do also just think it's important to think about how her family is written. So, like, mm. her relationship with her father in that first episode where she she goes and says, like, says, like, a really self-deprecating joke. Like, I can't remember what it is. I wish I had written it down. But she says something like, <laughs> oh, well, you know, I'm a mess or oh well you know i'm everyone's just going to call me an idiot or like or whatever she says and then he look he yeah. says something to the tune of well you know some jokes are real or like there's mm-hmm. always truth and then there's she has
1: truth in a joke or whatever
0: yeah yeah um or whatever that exact moment is but uh she has this it's it's one of the first more serious moments of the show, I think, because we see her kind of falter in that. We see her, like, maybe for the first time, not know what to do or, like, not just shake something off. She kind of just sits in it. And then we meet her stepmother, um, who's just a whole other <laughs> performance.
1: Oh How gosh. have we not talked about Olivia Coleman yet? I know. Like, she, oh my gosh. She's so deliciously evil. I love her so much. (laughs) And then we, like, find out she
0: knew her mother and, like, you see her in the flashback.
1: I feel like she, like, I would love a show about her, like, when she was Fleabag's age. Because I feel like she would be just as much of a mess. (gasps) And, like, just as much of a I yes. love that. Fleabag, the prequel. Because <laughs> like, I think the prequel.
0: I think that's a really good point. The
1: flequel. Oh my
0: god. <laughs> I think that's a really good point, or like pointing to how she's still kind of like she's taken her self-sabotaging and
1: turned it outward to like yeah. Sabotage her way, which is like still, that's I think, the uh, path that Fleabag is headed down, unless she yeah learns how to, you know, deal with her feelings I, correctly. Because <laughs> I think it can be argued
0: that she's not close with the father either. She no. self sabotages in that she doesn't let anyone close to her because she cuts them down, and she mm-hmm. uh like doesn't she she just doesn't let herself get to love at all because she's so busy being kind of this toxic human. Um, Yes.
1: love that for her.
0: Love that for her. (laughs) Um, And then we see Claire who like, I think I'm not, I don't have a sister. I've never been lucky enough to have a sister, but I think that that's some really honest writing about sisters and, Mm -hmm. Um, just that unconditional love like how Fleabag challenges her to leave Martin and to be happy um, and mm-hmm. like you don't have to do this and that leads Claire to kind of like lash out at Fleabag because she's on her own journey yeah. of not letting herself have the life that she deserves it's like a whole thing Hmm.
1: yeah that's I mean, I don't have a sister either, but I do have a brother. Yeah. But I but I do feel like like they do have moments that are very like real sibling moments where like maybe we don't like each other right now, but we can make eye contact across the dinner table yeah. and know what each other is thinking. Because like I've definitely had like moments like that with my brother where like we're with family and he and I are like the only ones who like get <laughs> what we're talking about. Yeah um, but like but like, I'm sure like, you know, there's just like kind of like habitual like and, and like cultural or social um, barriers between like a brother and a sister that would that would not exist between two sisters. So I'm sure like for sisters, like it's it's an even closer um, connection than that. But, yeah, like, yeah. I feel like that that aspect of it is written so, like, authentically. And I'm sure, like, Phoebe Waller-Bridge has a sister, so I'm sure, sure. like, that's where that's coming yes. from. But, yeah. And I the, love Claire.
0: <laughs> I love, too, that she falls in love with someone named Claire. Named Claire, yes! And, like, <laughs> uh, maybe if Fleabag is learning her journey, uh, I think Claire is learning... To take herself and the world a little bit less seriously, and so that's like a nuanced writing point that the person who she falls in love with has these like slightly she ridiculous. To love
1: herself. oh yeah, yeah. It's kind of like uh, the in in the Loki TV series <laughs> where he falls in love with a variant of himself. Oh
0: my gosh.
1: That was a big. Uh, that was a big to do in that's the Marvel amazing. fandom. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. Well, Erin, have you ever had a flea bag era?
0: I think I'm eternally in it. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know
1: if that's. I don't know if that's. Uh, if that's a good thing. I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, I think I.
0: It- it's part of the reason that I love this show so much is that these are themes that I'm grappling so much with without turning this into my own therapy session. (laughs) I think it's now for me. I think it's been now, but it's still like, I'm like halfway through season two in my own personal (laughs) job.
1: Yeah. I, well, I, I don't believe that you would do anything as like destructive as, sleeping with someone who is you know no. in some way inappropriate to be
0: <laughs> no I wouldn't to be do with. any of that I'm uh, yeah I guess I should clarify to our listener no but I but <laughs> like the the intrusive self-talk I think is still just not there mm, okay. like I'm not actively self-destructive in those ways uh-huh. but some of my like ah you're a big dumb idiot Self talk (laughs) is kind of like similar a little
1: bit. Yeah. 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 There's so, I mean, like, there's a whole uh, thing, you know, it's like an internet thing where, like, you're in your (laughs) fleabag era, right? There's even an urban dictionary entry. (laughs) Oh, I love that um so urban dictionary says fleabag era is when a girl or non-binary person basically anyone but a man is ready to stir things up in their life and ready to ruin people's lives in order to get their hot girl fantasy to come true oh
0: so, no i'm not in that
1: at all so uh Oops. used in a sentence damn that girl was really in her fleabag era she's screwing the married guy next door <laughs>
0: Oh no, no. <laughs> this, that's
1: yeah. Um but there's also a super interesting article I found about this that's about um this idea of dissociative feminism um interesting. where it's like it's almost like a nihilistic like you know uh, a like approach to like feminist thought where like, you know, the the world is so patriarchal and so effed up, we're never going to truly have equity. So might as well just do whatever the fuck I want is basically kind of like you know, put into layman's terms, that's, at least as I understand it, like that's dissociative feminism. That's um, fascinating. I want to Yeah, learn more and I about that. it's and and like sad. <laughs> yeah yeah um but you know maybe not entirely untrue if we're being honest um and,
0: and you know what coping yeah. mechanisms work until they don't work and i, I under yeah. i understand how that could work for someone even though it's ill-advised it's still it's letting that anger
1: out you know it's uh uh-huh. yeah. yeah it's female rage yeah Love female. Age. Maybe I'm in my Claire era is what it is. Your
0: Clara. My Clara. Like I feel like Claire I'm at era, the point the where Clara. she cuts the she gets the new haircut and it's absurd. I think that's right uh, about where
1: I am. It's French. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> Man, I don't know who I would be who like which era I'm in. I don't know. We should have oh, we should have uh, taken a quiz. Oh, that would have been at which flea bag character we are. Do you wanna find one right now?
0: Let me see if I can. Okay.
1: Because uh... I honestly do not like on a personal level, I do not identify with any person. You know what? Actually maybe the priest. <laughs> sure. I mean
0: Yeah. I don't think I fully identify with anyone either, Um, which is probably, you know, we're doing all right. I
1: think that's... Uh Okay, here's a quiz. Because everybody on that show has, like, pretty big issues that I don't know that I would be... I don't know that I... Like, willing to deal with.
0: (laughs) I don't know if I'd legally be able to provide therapy to humans if I was... Right. ...any of these people. Um, Here's our quiz here.
1: All right. Are you putting it in yeah, the notes? It's at the very bottom. Okay. Oh, there it is. Okay. Cool, cool. All right. Should we uh, should we talk through yeah. this? Yeah. All right. Do you want <laughs> are you more of a Claire or a hot priest? And that's us. Wonderful. You're Claire and I'm hot priest. Aww. Okay. Um <laughs> do you wanna read yeah. the first question?
0: <laughs> uh first pick a jumpsuit. So we have kind of like Ooh. a Beetlejuice. Very appropriate. That is it's kind of it's like too. a white and black stripe long sleeves. We have uh-huh. like a satin blue one, um, oh, like I'm a tank top. It's cute. One. We have kind of like a onesie. It looks like like a blue uh-huh. velour onesie, and then like a like a cute deep red with. Um, it's like a body. Yeah.
1: yeah. I'm going with the blue for sure.
0: Someday I'd like to have the confidence to wear the red one, but I'm also going blue.
1: <laughs> How do you usually get over a breakup? Ooh. Throwing myself into my work, rebounding with someone else, expressing myself via a creative outlet, or prayer? You know, I honestly can't... When was the last time I actually had a yeah. breakup? Uh... <laughs> And what did I do? You know, probably a creative outlet. I
0: throw myself into work whenever I feel anything other than happy. (laughs) So when I (laughs) do throw myself, it's why I'm in a second master's. Throwing myself into my work. (laughs) Uh, Your soulmate is someone who you can talk to about anything. Shares your values. Someone who's just like you. Or you commit to forever.
1: You know what? I don't. Uh, I don't think that like you. You only have one soulmate. Yeah. I think that you create your soulmate. So I'm going to say that it's someone you commit to forever.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go
1: there too. Hey, oh, this one looks fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for a haircut. What do you ask <laughs> okay. for? A lob, Ooh. the usual, something asymmetrical, or just cut it all off. Well, I currently have a lob, so I guess that's what we're going with.
0: I'm going to go with uh, the usual. Nice. <laughs> um, what's your drink of choice? Sparkling wine, seltzer, anything alcoholic, or gin? Hmm.
1: You gotta have fun. You gotta do sparkling wine. Same.
0: I'm not the lard. I'm not the yeah. biggest drinker, but I do like a sparkling wine. No.
1: Yeah. That's about the only that, like, I'll drink, like, a fruity cocktail or a sparkling wine. That's about it. I'll have one <laughs> and then
0: I'll fall asleep.
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> Same. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Your favorite animal is guinea Aww. pig. This kind of mouse, <laughs> meaning a computer mouse a fox or a human being oh no the greendale human beings (laughs) um i don't know what even none of these are my favorite so i guess my favorite from among these i guess i'll go with the fox
0: they're kind of i gotta go guinea pig they scare me but for the reference (laughs) um what
1: catchphrase
0: are you most likely to say jesus take
1: the wheel i did say that a lot around the time the song came out because i thought it was funny it's also
0: a dang good song um the early bird gets the worm you only live once or make love not war
1: oh no um I'd probably go with "You Only Live Once." Yolo, um, Yolo. I wouldn't say it Yolo. No. though. I would just say that's it. that's just like kind of the general attitude that I try to have toward life. It's like
0: that's also an important yeah. distinction that you wouldn't like shout
1: Yolo. That I wouldn't yeah. say Yolo. No,
0: <laughs> I I leave
1: my house every morning
0: at like six thirty, so I guess I'll go early bird. Mm. There
1: you go. finally what does work mean to you it's a creative outlet it's my whole life and identity Um, it pays the bills or it's a calling okay i have two minds about this about work because like when like work as in like the your job that you go to to get money like I feel like it's not healthy for that to be your whole life and identity. No. But then there's also like the kind of work that you do outside of the work that pays yeah. you. So like I guess it depends on like what type of work you mean. Like I don't yeah. know. I don't know how to answer this. I don't <laughs> either. I'm gonna go with creative outlet because i'm gonna i'm choosing to think of work as like the things i work on because i enjoy Uh, yeah
0: okay if we're going by that definition of the things we choose to do i'm going for um it's a calling because sometimes i do i do feel deeply fulfilled by the work that i get to do and it gives me kind of like purpose or whatever but if we were just talking about nine-to-fives, it would be, it pays the bills for sure. But,
1: right. Yeah. 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 Same. Ah, I got Claire. Oh, what? Look at you being all self-aware. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> I got the stepmother. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> what? You know what? I mean, like, I do really vibe... With everything about her except like the toxic manipulation. <laughs> okay, so
0: you're her if she was a
1: healthy human. If she was like, if she expressed herself in healthy ways. Okay, yes, I can see that. Well, because like it does say. So it says like you're a deeply creative soul who isn't afraid to express yourself. Yeah. Um, which like yeah, like that's at least that's what I strive. You're just for, not right? horrible, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah what is your what's your description say you're
0: dedicated tough um on the outside it sure looks like you've got your life in place (laughs) in reality though you're just doing the best you can and wondering all the while if maybe one of these days you'll have the chance to totally reinvent yourself oh no oh no (laughs) who wrote this uh buzzfeed who's your writer oh buzzfeed (laughs) <laughs> uh which flea by character are you? Um Sabrina Gehaiva? You got it. Thank you, you. Thank you, Sabrina. You got it. So yeah.
1: Excellent. All right. Well
0: <laughs> thanks, friends.
1: Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Erin, for being yeah. born and choosing this topic for us to talk I about. I am full disclosure about to just go watch it. Excellent. Excellent. I think I'm going to take a bath. Do it and um, read a book. I have. Oh man, I have two uh, advanced copies of books that I need to read and review. Amazing. Yeah, it's. uh, I mean, it's a good problem to have. Amazing. You know, where? Yeah it's also like oh this is an obligation no i I get Hmm. that yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) no it's i'm excited to read both of them so yeah well cool friends that's fleabag that's everything you ever wanted to know or discuss about fleabag we We did it we did fleabag (laughs) we did fleabag (laughs) Yes and this episode is like the length of half a season oh of Fleabag. God, that's so we're good. Well, <laughs> <Yeah. sighs> well um, we are should we talk a little bit about what's what's ahead? Yeah uh, yes so uh, we this is the only episode that you're gonna hear in the month of August. Yeah listeners um so enjoy it please yeah. we'll try to um we're taking august off um but we're we'll try to like kind of do a little bit more on instagram yeah. than usual yeah. <laughs> like uh, maybe i'll maybe i'll uh dig up some of my um some of my tiktok videos and post on there we'll see um yeah but then when we come back in september <laughs> For our brand new season, we will be talking about Abbott Abbott Elementary. Elementary. Going back to school. That is. It's so perfect. It's so so good. We're very excited to talk about Abbott.
0: Uh, Yeah. Um, Fill your your backpacks and get ready to.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Get your protractor. You you need it. Which every year the protractor's on the school supply list, but you never use it. But you
0: never did use it,
1: did you?
0: Never used it. Mine is probably still in the plastic at my
1: mother's house. Oh, I definitely took all of my stuff out of its packaging.
0: (laughs) I think I took all the, like, ELA stuff. And I just,
1: like, used it to trace. Ah, (laughs) sure, sure. So we will see you. We will you see you there. September. Yeah. The first, whatever the first Saturday in September is, I think it's the, the second. September 2nd. Nice. Yeah. You will have a brand new episode into your ear into holes your, of your, your head. sweet little ears. <laughs> okay. We will see you, friends. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye.